Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Man, am I excited. Today's going to be a great day. I've got a guest for you today. I'm going to be with Chris Prefontaine. We're going to be talking seller financing, getting it done, making it happen, putting more deals on paper, and getting to the closing table when we come back. Get you in just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back again. It is another great week. As I said in the intro today, I've got my buddy Chris Prefontaine. He is from my favorite place on earth. I absolutely love Newport, Rhode Island, except in the winter. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, Chris. Uh, Chris is with us today. He is a best-selling author of the book "Real Estate on Your Terms." Guys, I've got it sitting on my desk. It's a great read. I strongly suggest you get your hands on a copy. Uh, Chris is a home builder and, and turned real estate broker. Then in 2008, during that debacle, he realized he needed to reinvent his business so that he no longer had to use his own money and credit. Man, I love the sound of that. I feel the same way. Um, then you turned your focus, Chris, to full-time real estate coaching in 2014, started real estate, a smart real estate coach, correct? Yeah, we actually, after that, uh, re-engineered our business because we still do what we teach. And then, yeah, the teaching kind of happened organically and away we went. Interesting how that happens. I didn't plan on teaching either. <laughs> I, loved, yeah. I just wanted to buy apartment buildings and some notes and, and mind my own business and made a podcast. Next thing you know, everybody's like, dude, teach us what you do. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. What, what's cool about it is when you teach, you know this, you, you, you got to be sharp. It sharpens your own saw. So that just happens again organically. Use that word again. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and it holds me accountable <laughs> because I can't sit there and tell you to do something or coach you through a process and then sit on my couch at the same time. So true. I got to get out there and do it myself. Plus, I don't know about you, man, but I like being out in the field. And I know you do that with your students, right? Well, yeah, the deals, uh, I just said this on a, on a radio show. Here's what's so cool. And I, I know you agree with this. They, they never the same. So get a deal today from Pennsylvania. Then tomorrow, you know, my son or son will have a deal. They're just always different. So I get bored too easy. The, the fact that they're always different keeps me rolling. Absolutely. I, I miss Newport, Rhode Island. I especially miss, what was it, restaurant week or food week? Yeah, they do. Oh. I think it's a couple times a year. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I used to, I was over in, um, and we talked about this previously, but for the audience, I was stationed when I was with NOAA, when I worked for the federal government, I was right across the bay, Narragansett Bay, over in uh, Warwick, is what, is what they call it over there by, uh, yes. can't think of the name of it now, Quonset Point. Yeah. Love it over there. Great part of town. Boy, your colors are changing about now, aren't they? Coming soon? Uh, almost, not quite. Maybe up in Vermont. So we're, we're still okay. You're in good shape, right? In your book, and I know you're, you're, your thing was like mine and Larry's. You, you're all about let's get it on. On uh, let's get terms when we can, right? We don't. There's no reason to pay cash for a property if we don't have to. Um, if we can figure out a way around it, let's do that. And and I believe that we share the belief that sellers really don't want cash. They more really want what cash will do for them. So with that, is we're talking. Let's talk about uh, what on your terms means. Sure. Uh, you brought up a couple really really important small nuggets that are that are huge though. Um, so on your terms means this. I'm, uh, since the debacle, I'm a big proponent of designing it the way you want it. You, you know, your business and your lifestyle. And one of those issues is not signing personally on loans and not taking out any loans, frankly, even from private investors. Very, that's rare for us to do that because when I put my head on the pillow at night, part of designing my lifestyle and designing terms is I don't want to deal with that. I'll think about it. Right. And you, you are spot on. People say, well, come on. Why would a seller do that? Well, they do because of what you said. They want a solution. And that solution is not always a stressful financial solution. And that's not always top price. It depends on what their motivation is. And you just got to pay attention to that and be a good listener and then create solutions. Now, for you, 
I imagine you're not, you're probably not negotiating your deals by a text message, are you? <laughs> oh, I, I know a lot of people do that, but I, no, we don't. I mean, we, we, we don't even do much marketing that way. Um, we might do it once someone's in the fold, meaning we've got a relationship with them, but no, we don't. Right. Is a lot of it come down to just having conversations with people? I mean, I hear a lot of people say what you just touched on is like, no seller's ever going to do that. They all want cash. Every realtor in town and we, you and I both hold licenses or at least, I don't know if you still do, but we, <laughs> this, this thought of what guessing what people won't do. Do you run into that a lot? We run into it a lot. And, and just for your listeners to know, we do between our own in-house deals. Um, you probably know this from our last time we chatted in, in the students around the country, we do five to 10 of these a month. And, and, and we'll, as we grow, we'll do a whole bunch more. The, the deals are out there. They're always going to be out there. This is a hot market. In most of our students' markets, it's hot. And there's still plenty of pockets, plenty of ponds to fish in because there's always going to be, uh, you talked about the realtors, there's always going to be expired listings. I, don't, I don't, really don't care how good the market is. They're out there. You just need to find them. And, and no, I'm not uh, licensed anymore. I was for 18 years and my son resigned his also after seven years. But I, look, I understand both ends of it. And we've got a cool uh, pond to fish in because we've got terms. Actually, that brings a good question. What was that? Because I've, I've bounced back and forth on that. What's, what was the, the, the key driving factor for you as far as just letting the license lapse? I let mine lapse uh, when I went to sea a couple of years ago when I worked about in Rhode Island, uh, and then I got it back. And mainly because I just found it easier to use the license as a, as a way to monetize more leads. But it's interesting to hear your perspective going the other direction. So can we touch on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. And I, and I wrote about it in the book because there's no, as a past broker owner and a past realtor, I, I'm not dissing realtors at all. There's, a pro, there's pros and cons. You are right on the, on the pro side. You're going to basically, unless the deal is so upside down, like two or three years upside down, as a, as a licensed person, you can say yes to almost every single deal, which is what I tell realtors. You need to learn what we're doing here and go create all these profits that you're leaving on the table. Now, on the other side, why did I let it go? Again, without, without stepping on toes of realtors, sure. here's what I found. When we did a mailing, which we don't do much, or we called on a house and it happened to be listed, or we did a blanket geographic mailing and it happened to be listed, you get all this drama with the realtors calling saying, you're calling my listing and you're trying to take my listing. And I could care less about the listing. I was an investor. So right. as soon as I dropped that, it was, it was interesting, Tyler. That then they call totally different, like a referral basis, positive, productive, healthy relationship, not drama and call the board <laughs> and all this crap. It just doesn't happen anymore, I must say. And so we do um, have relationships with realtors because of what you said. There, there's some expired listings. There's some, say, over-leveraged houses, all kinds of things that don't fit in their warehouse and they'll send them to us. And of course, we'll refer to them. It's a great relationship, the ones that get it. That's actually brilliant. I got to tell you, I'm because <laughs> you nailed it on the head. You're right. I mean, I've run into that. People are like, you're stealing my listing. I don't want your listing. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Why would I want to work with 3%? I want monthly. Unless this listing will pay me monthly for the rest of my life, I'm not interested. <laughs> that's, that's a cool way of saying it, actually. Yeah, I never said that. That's cool. Exactly. I don't work for, Larry Harbo taught me, I don't work for tips, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. That's awesome. Now, in the book, you also talk about uh, being a transaction engineer. Can you, can you touch on that? Yeah, thank you. Not many people ask that. Here, here's the deal with that. Um, we, we coincidentally, we just talked about this with the family recently, because as you know, we work with all our family here mostly. Right. And we said, look, people sometimes think, well, I got to do a sandwich lease. That's what they teach. No, we don't teach that. We teach all kinds of different techniques. And trend, being a master transaction engineer means what? It means when a deal comes through the door, 
I don't know what it's going to be because we're, we're doing a lot of different lead generation, but if it doesn't fit in lease purchase, owner financing, or subject to, do you know how to deal with it? Do you know how to do a wholesale even though it's a tiny check? Do you know how to do it if, you, if that's the best fit for that deal? Do you know how to do an, a simple option? You know, do you know how to do these things if, you, if it's the best solution for the seller and you? And that's what I mean by the transaction engineer, knowing which way to pivot and create a solution still no matter what the deal is. And it just takes time. I like that because what you said there, and I want to I want to make sure people didn't didn't gloss over that. What's best for you and what's best for the seller, not one oh, of the yeah. other. And I think yeah, no, it's got to be, or the deal's going to be miserable. It's going to be a headache if it's not a win win. Well, I see a lot of uh, beginning investors. They they get so they go either one way or the other. They get so wrapped up in what's in it for them, they forget about the seller and they get a big fat no. Or they get so wrapped up in with the seller's problem that they want to save them from from themselves and wind up stepping in their own quicksand, so to speak. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Oh, that's good. That's good. And I, I think with your, the way you're doing things, Chris, I, I believe that's probably a big piece of your success is that people probably walk away from your transactions feeling good about it. Yeah. Uh, you bring up another good point because I remember my son said when he, when he first uh, came on board, he was still licensed. And it was kind of when I was growing back in like, I don't know, 13 or 14. And he said, wow, it's so much healthier is the word to use because you're not getting the, the drama and all the stuff going on and you're just looking for a two or three way healthy relationship. That's really what you're looking to do and everybody should walk away feeling good about that. So you got the seller, yourself and the buyer all going, wow, that was cool. I didn't know I could do that. That's awesome. I love that. I love win-win. I think that's the only way things should be done. I don't feel a reason for anything else, any other way of doing things. I think yeah, that's great. I agree. I agree. So new, newbie investor, you, you've got a couple but two essentially primary strategies that you like to talk about with uh, that new investors should prioritize on. You want to hit on those? Sure. Um, and I'll tell you where we're transitioning. Um, the, the two main ones would be the sandwich lease as well as the uh, owner financing. And I know owner financing means different things out there for different people for decades. Owner financing for us means what? It means that the property is free and clear, actually. There's no debt on it. The person's not stressed out. The person just wants all the money and can wait for whatever reason tax reason, cash flow, retirement, whatever. So those are the two ways that we prefer. And now most recently, because we have so many properties that we carry 50 or 60 at any one time, those what I call payday threes are rather large. And so it's predictable now where we are. Now we're actually scaling down a bit uh, with the sandwich leases, looking more for control with the owner financing and doing deals with students around the country. So we're actively doing more deals and being very selective with our own. Interesting. Now, so the sandwich lease, for those that don't know, because I honestly, I haven't talked about that a lot on my show. Can you kind of okay. touch on what a sandwich lease is? Sure. So let's use the analogy of the sandwich still. Um, I'm doodling here as I'm talking to you to dry it. So you've got two pieces of bread. One is the seller and one is the buyer uh, and you're the meat. Uh, or if you're a vegetarian, you're the vegetables <laughs> in the middle. Um, and so what are you doing? You are, in most cases, there's exceptions to anything I'm going to answer, but in most cases, you are paying the underlying mortgage on the seller's property directly. And I'll tell you the reason for that. If I forget to, we'll come back to it. And then you are collecting from our rental buyers how we exit all our properties. So you're collecting the income coming in there. And the difference because you're, you're in the middle. The difference is uh, your uh, payday number two, I call it. It's the spread between what you're paying out and what your, your tenant buyer is paying you. And to go to why I pay it directly, there's very few exceptions to that. I think we have two out of 50 or 60 where we're paying the owner. Now, why is that? I can't imagine 
going to bed at night thinking, I wonder if the seller paid the mortgage, even if you had five properties, never mind 50 or 60. And if you're, you know, if we're teaching you, you're eventually going to have 18 and then 20 and then 30. So you're going to worry about, did they pay their mortgage? Is this place going to be foreclosed on? I got a buyer in there, man, I got a moral and ethical, you know, on and on. So I explain that to them. I go, I understand that you might not know us and you might want us to pay you, but that's not how we do it. And here's why they actually respect that because uh, we're basically telling them, I need to make sure it's being paid on time. That's why I'm going to pay it. Very interesting. I like that. I like that a lot. And I, you know, you've mentioned that a few times to sleep at night, which to yeah. me translates to feeling good about the transaction and not feeling like you need to take a shower after you do a deal. <laughs> yeah, it means that. And it means that the no stress, um, cause in 2008, it seems like it was yesterday. It was 10 years ago now. So I'm dating myself, but, it, but I can tell you there were many sleepless nights where I did not want to put the head down because it was too much stress going on and you just don't need it. There's no reason in real estate with all the creative ways you can do it. That's for sure. That's absolutely for sure. And so the sandwich lease and then owner financing. And I love the fact that you mentioned owner or free and clear. So you target free and clear owners. Yeah, we target free and clear owners. I love, love, love when a student sends me a lead and says, hey, I got a free and clear. I, we jump on and go, let us call it if they're brand new. I want you to have this deal. Because owner financing deals, Tyler, believe it or not, I'm going to even give you a number. If the deal in most markets is 190000 maybe even as low as one eighty, and up in price range, that is a six-figure deal with all three paydays we create. One of the main reasons is with financing, with, sorry, with owner financing with the free and clear, we are making principal-only monthly payments. We are never making an interest. I never have I done an interest payment. It's always principal-only. And so you can imagine in any price range, the massive principal reduction you get every month. And if you can stretch that term out to four years, just do the math. I mean, you're getting oh, a major... Wow. I did a... Um, you like this. I did a, um, an article for Bigger Pockets recently and I showed them a deal. I mean, I outlined the deal. I put it right on there. I bought the place for 177 and there's a little over 177 in profit in that deal in 60 months. Now go think about that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, yeah. I'm going to have to go look at that one because it's got my attention. I may slide back to single family houses at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. Interests are um, principal only. I'm a seller. I come back and say, have you lost your mind? I want my 6% or I want my 7%. I'm not mm -hmm. letting you only make a payment on principal. What's your comeback? What type of... How do you couple do things. Yeah, good right. point. A couple things. One is... Um, I, we don't pay interest and pay you top dollar because see, if you're asking, uh, I'll give you an example. We did a, a nice 10 acre estate in Pennsylvania with a student and he was asking like 429. We gave it to him. If he sold it with the realtor, he would have sold it for who knows, let's call it 410. He wasn't able to, but let's say he did. And then he paid the realtor. He's down in the high threes, right? Right. So we say to him, okay, Randy, we're going to give you the whole 429. No questions asked and we're not realtors, but we're going to do it on a monthly principal payment. If I got to pay interest, I can do that, but I'm going to adjust the price down and you got to claim that small interest amount. Most of my sellers prefer to get all the money versus a tiny bit of interest. They got to go then claim as income. This is all principal pay down, not interest income. Good points. All good points. And that, that you, you've disarmed them. What are they going to say to that? <laughs> well, they, you're right because that's all we do. I, I got to tell you, there's not much pullback from that because they are focused on, well, okay, he's giving me the number. He's just giving it to me over time. It's almost like we, we're very assumptive when we talk about it. Well, and to some degree, when you're dealing with a homeowner that has a home free and clear, in a lot of cases, I mean, I, obviously there's exceptions, there's inheritances and all type of things. But in most cases, the, the seller of a free and clear home that paid it off themselves is generally a scoshy more intelligent than the average bear, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, and they're they're actually easier to deal with. Um, another example, then, on that note that you made uh, is yesterday, a new student sent me a, a property information sheet. It was for a house that was listed for one one. He was a CEO of a big company that I'm aware of, and he was debt free. And so he was nervous. Said, "You can you call it for me?" I said, "I'll call it for you, and I'll tape it, which is what we do, and I'll send you the call so you can learn." But just for future reference, I said they're usually the easiest calls. And so I did the call. The call was extremely easy. The guy said, okay, great. I understand what you do. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Got it. Okay. I have no interest in that. I need cash. I got one nine to this thing. I'm selling for one one. I said, okay, so let me just clarify. Even if I gave you a little more than your one one, because I could do that on terms, you have zero interest unless you got all cash. I just clarified. He said, yeah, you're absolutely right. So we didn't get the deal. But the point was, it wasn't a hard conversation. The guy was intelligent. He was financially strong and he just wanted to digest what I do and then said, nah, okay, not for me. Okay. And that's fair. Of course it is. So you didn't get beat up. Nobody screamed and yelled. They didn't slam the phone down, threaten the, the, the dog or anything like that. It was, a, <laughs> it was a peaceful thing. And I think, tell me if I'm wrong, you coach a lot of students. And there's a lot of fear and animosity over the unknown or those calls, picking up that phone. There's that, I call it dialer fear. <laughs> yeah, we just talked about that on another show. And here's, the, here's a couple of thoughts for the listeners then, because you're bringing up some cool things that are practical. That On that note, there's a couple of things they can do. Um, they got to get comfortable. They got to have the mindset going in that, um, does it really matter? Like you don't know these people, you're not, you're not doing business with them now. They're not providing you an income now in any shape, form or fashion. So are you really losing if you mess the call up? No. Second thing is we have, uh, just released it actually, uh, an online platform where they can go and listen to 40 plus, 40 plus live calls that either we've done or our VAs have done, or our students have done. So they're, they're live deals. They're not edited. They're, they're in the trenches. And I tell them, listen to those like over and over ad nauseum. So you, it's almost like when you hear a song, you know what's going to come up next. Like just listen to those over and over and over again. And the last piece is in the markets that you can record without dual party consent, because there's a whole bunch of markets you can, right. tape your calls, and then they send them to us. And we, we just literally, if you sent me a call, Tyler, I'd listen to it. And as I'm listening, I'm typing bullet points, very pointed bullet points. I send it back to you. And what's really cool is they send the next one, and you can hear that they've already incorporated those things in their next call, and they're getting better and better. It just shortens the learning curve dramatically. I love that. I absolutely love that. I was just telling some of my students that last night, actually. It's like, guys, you got to start recording your calls. That's how you get better. And now, when I do this, and I, I'm sure you do as well, I love the fact I learn better from people's mistakes. So I'm sure you guys aren't flawless on every call. There's curveball thrown at you every five seconds. So from a perspective of a new student, somebody that's learning, those calls are gold. I mean, that's absolute gold because that's not rehearsed. It's not a perfect script. You're, you're, you're rolling with it live and you can see how the, how the, uh, the call unfolds, you know, because it's a mystery, right? You pick up the phone, it's a mystery. We don't know what's going to happen. So I love that. Yeah, you're right. They, um, they, a lot of comments come back and go, man, okay, so that's all you do. Oh, okay. That's what you told me. This isn't brain science. They just got to hear it over and over and over again. And we, we post the good, the bad and the ugly. Cause I want them to hear that they're okay. Just go at it. But Chris, it's got to be harder. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to right. hurt a little. <laughs> yeah. Show me the brain science first. Exactly. Right. So that said, free and clear properties, working with seller financing primarily, and you're using the, the sandwich lease as well. How do you get the people to call you on the phone? How do you get them to reach out? What type of marketing do you find most effective? Uh, two things we do primarily, and this, of course, there's always exceptions, right? But the two main things are, three main things. We um, have VAs calling, virtual assistants calling on for sale by owners. Some of them are good at expireds. They mostly focus on for sale by owners. Then we have what we designed in-house called the expired dialing process, whereby the student will, and we do still, um, 
send a slide broadcast out, meaning hundreds of numbers at a time going to their voicemail. And then the ones that are interested, so you got the, you got the people raising their hand that want to talk to you. You're not trying to pull something out of someone. Right. They will call you based on your message that you just slide broadcast. You record it at once and you hit two, three, four hundred. Then, then we have a live conversation. So the, the expires and the for sale by owners and the ratios of those, Tyler, as you can imagine, will just change per the market conditions. Sure. So right now, Pennsylvania never really heated up. So our students there can just keep cranking FISBOs and expires. Um, Florida's heated up in a lot of areas. So expires are going to be a little bit more plentiful. FISBOs are selling on their own. You know, so you just every, every market is slightly different, but they're always there. And then uh, the last thing we'll do is we will target, and I don't suggest new people do this month one or even month six, probably after six months or so when they get a deal done, they can target um, specific lists like we do free and clear, and they can do that with a yellow letter or, or other means, but we use a yellow letter. And, and again, targeting free and clear, targeting out of state, absentee owners, things like that. Outstanding. And for the new investor, what kind of budget do you think they should start out with? I mean, I got, obviously it's relative to how much they have to invest, but what's a good guideline for you as far as you're coming into real estate, you're brand new, you're going to do the slide broadcast. You're going to do some, maybe, you know, maybe you're not going to do the yellow letters for the first six months, but you're going to do the slide broadcast. What kind of budget should they allow for to get started? In that? Yeah. I was just going to jump in and say that because the wholesalers in the, in the rehabbers teach in, in massive seminars, 100 and 200 people to do the mailers. And it costs, uh, one of our students went to uh, a recent script training and he called me and he said, man, I met this guy that's doing 40,000 a month in mailings dollars, 40,000 wow. a month. So no, we are the budget to run this business. And if you go on our site and you look at the real stories, you'll see this. If to do a deal a month, which is quite lucrative, we average 80 grand a deal. To do a deal a month, you're going to run a business that's going to cost somewhere between five and $700 a month without mailers. That's why I said don't do mailers right away. Right. Uh, and of course, that doesn't include your, if you have any website fees, I'm not aware. But that this that does include everything to run your business. VAs, simple phone system we suggest. And think about that. Five to 700 bucks to do a deal a month that has three paydays worth 50, even if it's 50. But ours is worth 80 right now. My guy in DC is worth 110 per deal. That's nothing for an overhead. Wow mind-boggling. And then you're turning around, so these owner finance deals, you're not keeping these long-term, you're turning around selling them? We sell them the same way we sell the lease purchase, which is on rent to own. And so the terms would be hypothetically one to four years. Okay. And for you, why, why, not, just, why not hang on to them? I'm just curious. Um, we get extensions whenever we can. So you're, you're bringing up an interesting strategy. We teach this at the mastermind group. It's kind of more advanced, but I'll give you a hint. So let's say I have a four-year term with you. I've done this twice on one deal now. That's why I'm thinking of it. Um, I'm paying you $923 a month on a 183 purchase. I did two, two and a half years ago, right around Christmas time. You can do whatever you want, but this works. Um, I send an email out to two or three of them. And I use some of the payday ones, twos or threes I have on other deals. And I say, look, Tyler, I know your payment's due in about two more years. Um, if I paid you down on principal, not a fee, down on principal, six grand, I use a, a well thought out number like 59.50, right? And, and right. will you extend your term for another 12 months? So I've paid down the principal, but I got 12 more months at 9.23 a month coming out of that for principal reduction. Wow. Uh, she said, yes. I mailed her the check. She extended the term. And then she said, Hey, if we call you next December, would you do that again? And I said, I'll see where we are with things, but sure. So this thing could keep getting postponed as far as our, our, our ticker on the balloon, and we could not pressure our buyer, not push them to cash out, and let this house pay itself off. I love that. I love that. That's the flip side of the old Jimmy Napier thing. And Jimmy, <laughs> ever read the book, um, Invest in Debt? 
No, I haven't heard that one actually. Got to put that on your list. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, make sure you put that on your list, invest in debt. And what Jimmy talks about is he's, he's a paper guy. He has nothing to do with the property. But when he buys a property, he'll say to the seller, hey, um, is it okay in, in December that I can miss a payment? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas and I got to have money for the kids. <laughs> that, that, what's the name of that book? Invest what? It invest in debt. And it's written Jimmy by Napier. Jimmy Napier. And he's, he's kind of a legend in the, in the paper business. Uh, it really good, good read. And it, when you said that December, I'm like, oh, that's, that's almost like a Jimmy Napier. I appreciate like, that. I have never heard of it. I'm going to grab it and we hang up. That's awesome. But I love that strategy because December is when people need money the most, right? Yeah. And they, look, they're, they're, they're um, I won't say well off, but they're fine. These people just said, hey, who wouldn't want an extra six grand payment coming on the loan you already have? And the reason they want that is they aren't hurting for money in the, on the global scheme or they would have said, Give me, I want the balloon in two years. Right. I said, all right, send me six grand. I'll extend it. Keep paying me every month. That's perfect. And yeah, and you're giving them some value for it at the same time. Now, just on the flip side, why even sell the houses? In other words, you get, you get a great deal. You, you structure the seller financing. Let's say, I know you're doing a short-term type of scenario, but do you ever take them in a, like a 30-year or anything like that or a long-term contract? Well, here's the caveat with that. We do have some where we'll rent, but I hate being a landlord. Um, okay. No one on the team likes doing it. No one on the team likes running it. The, the very few that we are renting, we put property managers on them. Obviously, we don't want to mess with them, but it's still, you, know, you still have it. Right. So you still have, when you have a tenant, you have a potential headache with the property upkeep, 50% chance or whatever the number is in your market, right? They can trash the property. On the rent own, they are behaving, acting like, paying bills like, and have a down payment down like they're a buyer. That's different. That's not a tenant. That's a buyer waiting for a cash out. So we could absolutely, if we got longer terms, like a 10 year or a 20 year, have a different strategy, just keep it rented for a while, then do a rent own towards the end of that. That's being that transaction engineer and just being creative. Absolutely. Nice. So you're solving problems on both ends of the transaction and everybody yeah. wins. Yeah. Absolutely. So lastly, before we wrap up here, what do you say to the brand new investor? And I run into these folks a lot, but I'm, I really want to know what, what your take is on this. That is absolutely crippled of, of the fear of losing money or more importantly, losing somebody else's money. And I like what you said at the beginning of the episode about you don't really rely on raising capital from other people. See, I do. And that's what makes our models very, very different. But it's also extremely intriguing. Um, yeah, look, I could, I could buy more homes if I had, if I went out and went through that, the role that you alluded to and, and raised money, bought them even cheaper and then did the same thing. I could. But we, so the person that's afraid of losing money, keep in mind when I started and re-engineered everything in 2013, I didn't have any. So when you do these deals, you're putting up $10, you might put up a hundred, but it's, it's usually not necessary. So let's just say $10. You don't have any money invested. You don't have a bank loan. You don't have a private investor. There's, you're not, you can't lose any money. Now here's, here's the cool thing. Let's say you're, you're two years into a deal and the, the buyers have a life event or they do trash the homes. There's a small percent to do. They have a life event. Something crazy happens. They leave. And then what you can't sell it on the open market. You could, but let's just worst scenario, worst scenario, pessimistic. You can't sell it and you just are fed up with it. Our, our documents are brilliant in that you can assign, you literally can assign that home back to the seller if you needed to. Is that a good moral and ethical way to do business long-term? No. Is it a good safety valve so you know it's there? Yes. I've had to do two out of like 130 deals. Well, boy, that's a good sleep at night. I mean, I hate, yeah. you know, obviously it, it's no fun if you have to use it, but it, here's the thing. You're making the seller whole again to some regard without having to go through the drama of being foreclosed or having to foreclose on you or chase you down. It's doing good ethical business up front. I love that. 
Yeah. And they got some principal pay down. Don't forget if they had a loan underneath it and if they don't, they got some cash flow. So they, they could in all likelihood are better off. Wow. That's good stuff. It's, I, I got to tell you, Chris, I'm really, I love that you provided a ton of value. I learned a few things, several things, actually. I've got a, I've got like two pages of notes here. <laughs> Since you've been talking, it's like, good stuff, wow, man. I got to make some change strategy changes myself. This is good stuff. I love it. I get, you know, I get raising, being in the multifamily side, it's we raise money, we go out and buy buildings. You get lazy and you lose a lot of times the creativity. I'll admit it. But I love the fact that you're doing things you're truly becoming that you're not becoming, you are that transaction engineer. We do that, but we don't do it because I've gotten, I've started raising private capital. I sometimes you get lazy, you know, when you got the cash to spend. However, if thinking about it and listening to you talk and listening to you architect these deals, I would venture to guess that your deals stacked up to my deals are far probably better and more lucrative because you have that creativity element in there. So I love that. Keep doing that work and please keep well, no deal is a bad deal, right? It's just what they what you want. I I would compare this to a business owner that likes being kind of like that solo entrepreneur. I'm talking not even real estate, just solo entrepreneur versus, hey, I'm a guy or a gal that loves to just kind of scale, build teams and do that. Well, some people don't like that. They can't even sleep with that. And other people would be bored to death if they would just be in the solo. So it's just, it's designing your terms and your business in your life. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. So Chris, if folks want to jump on board, first of all, where's the best place they can go to get the book? Um, they can, I tell you what we can do. Um, I just, as you're asking the start of this, instead of going to Amazon, it's an Amazon bestseller, but instead of going there and spending money, I'll, if you have the ability to put it in the show notes, I'll have sure. my team create a, a link where they can just fill out their name and address and I'll ship the book and won't charge you shipping. I'll just ship it. You don't have to put a credit card in nothing. And then, uh, we'll give you a link to uh, a free webinar at the end of the webinar. I throw a couple grand worth of bonuses at them. So just nice. it's not, so it's not meant to, to, pitch you or anything. It's meant to do this. It's meant to say, here's an hour. If you can stand, listen to me for an hour, here's an hour of content. And at the end of it, is this a niche you want to pursue further? If it is fantastic, grab some things and let's go. If it's not, it's okay. You spent an hour, didn't cost you 10 cents. Absolutely. That's awesome. I'd really appreciate you doing that. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're on iTunes, you'll see show notes below and you can, you can grab the link there. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I'll do a, uh, just give you a vanity link for now because a lot of the podcast players don't have the capability to show, to show, uh, uh, show notes. And what we'll do, folks, is when you click on the link, it'll be uh, cashflowguys.com forward slash uh, your terms, plural, cashflowguys.com forward slash your terms. That will go directly to Chris's link. You can put in your information, get the, the value add things that he's given away and uh, go from there. Sounds, sounds good. Fantastic. All right. I better write that down so I remember it, right? <laughs> cashflowguys.com forward slash your terms. Get over there, get registered. Chris, tons of value, man. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate being on and always good to chat with you. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and wrap right there. I hope that you got as much value out of this episode as I did. That's for sure. Make sure you head over to cashflowguys.com forward slash your terms. Get your information in there. Get the information back uh, via email take the time, invest the hour. It's an hour of your life. Go through the webinar, make a decision. If you're ready to take things to the next level, pull the trigger. You're not going to get financially free sitting back doing nothing. You've got to take the forward motion. You got to take the action and get it done. And go ahead and wrap right there, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have a great week and we'll catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. 
Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.